Hey, everybody. Yes, it has been a day. A long day. And the night. Well, the night is mine alone. Well, you're here with me, too. Sure, you've had enough. Well, one thing I'm sure I definitely had enough was U.S. Concrete. So that's why I got out of it today. Because you know what? Screw that stock. That company executed poorly. And they, frankly, have more concrete than they can possibly need. But you know what? Ultimately, whose fault was it for buying? Did they make me buy the company? Did their management do it? Did you do it? Wait, it was you? I can blame you? No, no, it wasn't you, was it? No, ultimately, I was the one who decided to pull the trigger on U.S. Concrete. And guess what? I sold it today because I couldn't take the pressure anymore. I sold it at forty nine ten, and frankly, the only good thing I can say is it's it ended trading at 48 so that was the smart move. Now, you see, earlier in the week, actually a couple weeks ago, well, I'm, I'm losing track of time. What do I know? Whenever Hurricane Florence was really on top of mind before all of the Brett Kavanaugh thing took over, back when the mainstream media cared about the people of North Carolina, you see, that is when U.S. Concrete, after months of lagging way below the $71 price target, or I'm sorry, not the price target, but where I actually purchased it, my average cost, had been drifting lower and lower and lower, all the way down to $44. Well, obviously, Hurricane Florence gave it a bit of a lift, and then that lift was short-lived. You see, as soon as that came off the headlines, as soon as Hurricane Florence was off the headlines, now U.S. concrete seems to be falling back to where it was before the hurricane. Now, what's the lesson here? Is it, do I love profiting off people who are hurt by a hurricane? No, that's not it. That's not it at all. The lesson is, even if I had sold up at 54 instead of 49, clearly I would have still taken a big loss there, and I would have clearly felt like an idiot. So I wasn't exactly cheering as people in North Carolina and South Carolina and various parts of the American Atlantic coast are under a lot of pressure and under a lot of destruction. But, of course, the assumption is there by people who are buying U.S. concrete is that Obviously, in America, we rebuild things. We don't just allow things to be destroyed forever. No, we build back. We might not build the exact same thing back, but we will build something back. We will rebuild all kinds of things. And part of that is people giving up their own savings and charitable goods, giving them charitably, I should say. And this is a beautiful thing. This is a beautiful process. But the problem is, at least from the stakeholder perspective of U.S. concrete, I don't know that that the amount of concrete that's going to be needed is ultimately is going to be the biggest material that's going to be needed in the recovery here. You see, frankly, I bought U.S. concrete in the idea that there's been years and years of infrastructure repairs that has been put off, and I thought eventually it had to be done. Or perhaps... Trump would actually build his silly wall that we've been talking about for months and years. Either way, you're going to need some concrete on that. Unfortunately, as we know, as I've said before on this show, 
politicians have an unlimited ability to kick the can down the road. We've seen this over and over and over again. They'd rather spend money that they don't have on new projects as opposed to fixing ones that they already made. So what we have here is a company, U.S. Concrete, that has far too much supply and nowhere for it to go. And frankly, I just don't have enough faith in it long term to hold on forever and ever and ever and hold through the short term pain that I think is going to happen. I just don't have the faith in it. And so therefore, like Mike McDee's girlfriend in Rounders, she knows when to fold a bad hand. Well, guess what? I'm folding a bad hand and cutting my losses. And a lot of that is because, like I said, I don't have the greatest feel for concrete or certainly for Congress passing any type of infrastructure. So therefore, I'm of a mind to stop throwing good money at bad. Let's take that loss. Let's take the 31% loss, 32%, whatever it was. You can find out the final damage at everybodytrades.com. But let's just admit our mistake and put our money into something else, cut our losses before it gets worse. That's my mentality at this moment anyway. Along that same line of just knowledge, personal experience, and just having good judgment is how I've tried to trade. I think that's the best advice I can give anybody else who is thinking about trying to invest in anything for the long term is if you have something, if you have personal experience with something, that's actually a fantastic thing. And here's a great example. Now, Adobe is a company that has come recommended to me for a while now. I didn't ever pull the trigger, though, because I didn't quite have personal experience with it, or at least enough personal experience with it. See, in my mind, when I see Adobe, I was thinking, oh, Adobe Acrobat, like the thing that lets you read PDF files on your computer. Got it. Oh, and Photoshop, that really expensive program that people in uh, newspaper and magazine editorial rooms will, will use, that sort of thing. But here's what I didn't get, and at least until I actually started doing this podcast. And that is using the Adobe Creative Cloud, which is something that I use to edit this podcast. And if I had never used it before, I wouldn't realize what a helpful program that it is and that it's also uh, just about the industry standard for this type of thing. And it's also, see, it's not, I earlier said that Photoshop used to be a really expensive uh, program. But now, instead of a one-time fee of a few hundred dollars or whatever the cost used to be for Photoshop or Premiere or Adobe Audition, any of their other programs. Now you can pay $20, $21 a month for one program or upwards of like 75 80 bucks for the whole kit and caboodle. So again, that's into forget it money where you could now be spending 200 to to $1,000 a year when you add it all up every single year instead of that one-time fee where we give you the updates for free. Now, it's obviously a lot less money up front, so people go for it. There is a, a benefit to the consumers as well, but Adobe really benefits in the long run. You see, Adobe's also benefited from the fact that every single year, microphones, cameras, particularly the ones on our own telephones, are getting cheaper all the time. Just 
making all making high quality video and production is getting so much easier it's exponential from literally just five ten years ago it's it's truly astonishing i mean the ability just to capture high definition video has really only been around at least from your pocket phone has really only been around for five or six years maybe a little more but not much more than that and that is astonishing how creative people can be now and adobe is exactly the type of company that will take advantage of that and really this whole example i know i've talked about audition adobe audition in my experience before and how it sparked an idea in my head but even more importantly than that is this following point you see what i've just described to you is really the sweet spot of when you want to start looking at technology investments. For instance, about four years ago is sort of an opposite example of something that was still very much in the development process and in fact still is, is 3D printing. Now to me, I'm still, when I look forward at the possibilities of 3D printing, I still genuinely believe as I did about four years ago, I believe, when I first really got interested in a company called Stratus and also another company called 3D Systems that are both 3D printing companies, I think it's very possible that when 3D printing is truly perfected and sort of goes in a wider mainstream type of thing, that It truly has the potential to be another type of industrial revolution that will change all of humanity forever, mostly in positive ways. But whether you think I'm right or wrong about 3D printing, and if you think I'm wrong, by all means, I'd love to hear you. The bottom line is I was too early on Stratus. And fortunately, I never, I bought some wrote it up for a little while, and and frankly, eventually realized that I was early, took my profit, and moved on. And frankly, I'm glad I did because that company would have gone against me for at least a couple years, I do believe. And here's the overall point to realize here. See, when you're developing technology, that costs a ton of money. Any type of new technology necessarily at the very beginning, R&D as it's called, which is genuine Wall Street gibberish for research and development dollars. You see, that process, you don't really, you're never going to want to be in, you never want to buy into a company's research and development process. For instance, Google right now has Waymo, it is a, which is a company that, or a subsidiary that is into automatic, autonomous, driverless vehicles, driverless cars. Now, again, we can debate, a lot of people think autonomous driving is the future. But to me, if you buy Google tomorrow and expect it to go up six months from now based on Waymo, you're way too early. If, if Waymo is one of the reasons that you're holding Google for the long term, fine. But again, what we're seeing is you don't want to just pile into you want to pile into something when it's already come to market you see that's the key spot when something has already come to market but it hasn't yet gotten mainstream adoption yet for instance actually now that i think about it really the iphone has got to be the best example i can think of or just the smartphone in general 
So I still remember quite well in late 2007 getting my very first iPhone in the Apple Store on Michigan Avenue in Chicago, Illinois. One of the coolest moments of my entire life, quite frankly. I was just absolutely, I've never been more mind blown by a piece of new technology in my entire life. And I'm not sure I ever will be. That's how revolutionary I thought this piece of technology was. And ultimately I was right. But I can remember my current wife, when we were just boyfriend and girlfriend, I'd say circa 2011 or so, she was still on the fence about the whole smartphone thing. And not just as a as a revolution for society, she was just saying personally, like, why do I need a smartphone? What do I need to be on the internet all the time for? Who cares? Well, now, fast forward to today, and I will guarantee you tonight on the couch, she will be staring at her tiny screen while the bigger screen is in front of her. And she's not alone. That's just where we are in society now. So many things go through not only the internet, but just these little tiny devices that are mostly screen that was totally innovated by Apple. And you can go back, Google this stuff, look it up in your favorite search engine. There were plenty of iPhone skeptics at the beginning and for years after. It was based on price. It was based on, you know, oh, the phone isn't fast enough. It's not this. It's not that. Ultimately, it won. And the point is, there was a moment there where the iPhone could have been tried by you, by anybody. You didn't even have to, you didn't have to own one. You could have gone to this Apple store on Michigan Avenue too, even if they were sold out. There were ones you could literally put in your hands, try it out for yourself, and you could, you could have had the same experience and gone, oh my goodness, people are going to want this thing. And that's, that's exactly the experience that I had. And the thing is, I realize, you know, I have a fairly decent ego. I have a podcast, right? I think people should hear my voice on occasion. So clearly I have a, it's a somewhat healthy ego, but at the same time, I don't think I'm that special either. If I like something, if I like an iPhone, if I'm mind blown by it, I know other people will be too. I'm just a guy. So really, just use your own instincts. Learn to sharpen your own instincts about, you know, think about, oh, do little, do little predictions, even if you're not a trader, even if you're not an investor. Look at something that you think is really going to hit as a product and just file that in the back of your brain and see what happens in a couple years. You might be surprised at just how good your own instincts are. Okay, that's a good amount of market talk for today, huh? But hey, just before we get out of here, I just want to share what I thought was kind of a funny story. I was at the dentist the other day, and my dental hygienist, who was under the cleaning process, was asking, she asked me a very direct question. She said, do you drink a lot of coffee? And of course I'm like, uh, well, no, I don't, but are my, are my teens, are my teeth bad? Or I'm like, I drink a lot of iced tea on occasion, but are, are they bad? She's like, oh no, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Well then, then why did you say it like that? Why did you? Oh man, I tell you, if you want to inflict not only physical trauma, but also emotional trauma as well, being a dental hygienist is definitely the profession for you. I'm fascinated by these people's mentality. They've got me trapped. Things in my mouth. Ha ha, you can't talk. Ah, let's squirt some water in there too. Nope, no talking for you. But let me ask you, do you drink a lot of coffee? I found that to be a loaded question. And frankly, I didn't appreciate it. (laughs) 
<laughs> all right. Enough with my silliness. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. And, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll hit you back again tomorrow and Friday, too. How about it? What do we say? Until next time on the Everybody Trades Podcast. Sure.